When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, joined once again by Corey, the Bayou Benders. And this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Welcome back, guys. Sorry we're a day late here. Well, yeah, day late on our recording. As always, school stuff came up. Uh, We're going to try to be more consistent from here on out. I I apologize for that. That's on me, not Corey. But we're back now on Monday night in the middle of the Habs Wild game and recording this episode. Corey, how are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing okay. Um had had my 30th birthday party fucking two weeks later um but it was really fun my wife kind of threw me a super soft birthday and i loved every minute of it um i had like the cheesy happy birthday banner and like um a balloon strapped to my (laughs) mailbox and and all like the the kitty stuff which i loved because i'm just a big fucking child um, and not in, I haven't really, it's crazy to think, dude, but I haven't really celebrated my birthday since like I was 22. And that sounds crazy because like you would think you would, why wouldn't you celebrate when you're so young and shit, but I worked in the bar room and basically you would normally work on your birthday. Cause that was when you were going to get your best fucking tips. So I never really, I mean, it's so fucking crazy to think about that, that like, I just, kind of wasted some of my best years of like having birthdays just working so people don't do that it's not worth it um but i really enjoyed it uh some of my closest friends came over the people that mattered were there uh, minus my parents because can't get my mom sick she's not doing it she's she's not in the best health she's not in the worst health but it's not worth taking the risk um two years ago i lost my grandmother because some people told her that it would be that she needed to be at a baby shower and she ended up catching COVID there and dying. So um, I could never let myself down if that happened to my mother. Um, but it was dope. Uh, today, I'm dealing with a sick chemical burn on both my hands um, from cleaning lines, uh, cleaning draft systems today. And I'm actually icing my hands with a mango Bud Light seltzer. (laughs) Wow. About the only thing a mango Bud Light seltzer is good for. You know what? Not a big seltzer guy until I finish this sentence. Um, But they've been putting, so we have a cooler at work where they just put, they just fill it with a bunch of drinks and it's typically for the salesman because it's in the salesman's rooms. Um, but me and my cousin go in there and raid it every day after work and we get a drink. Well, uh, they filled it completely with, I think it holds like 140 cans. They filled it completely with seltzers. So me and my cousin for about a month and a half, have been just putting a dent in it. And I've gone to try the Bud Light seltzers. We also sell White Claw. We sell, um, the ultra, Michelob Ultra Seltzers, which are uh, organically disgusting. Um, The Corona Seltzers, which are also disgusting. Um, Basically, every type of seltzer that we have, we have in there. Um, And I've found that the Bud Light Seltzers have the most syrup in it and the most 
um, pal- palatable, big word. Uh, so those have been my go-to. And for my party, I ended up grabbing a 12 pack because I've grown quite the addiction to things that I can't taste. Um, and they're light. So I guess it's helping with the beer gut, which is nice. Cause I have a wedding. I have a suit to fit in, uh, Friday. So I've been knocking these back. Yeah. Well, mango is just not the taste for me. I got No, it's say. not, but you know what? Um, I drank it's, it's a 12 pack variety. So, uh, oh, so it's I, the last, it's the last two left. Oh, actually I got two strawberries left, which are the best ones. But I was like, I just had a strawberry. I don't want to knock back the last two good ones. So let me just put a mango in between it. Now the lemon lime one, in my opinion, is the worst of that pack. And I made sure to kill all three of those at my party while I was <laughs> fucked up just to knock them out, you know, just to get them out the way. I think, I think the worst ones are the, are they black cherry? Black cherry. I, they I weren't that bad. The they weren't that bad. I just, the lemon lime is just not appealing with the taste of just carbonation. Um, it was just a real bitter flavor, but it ain't got shit on ultra. Uh, anyone that wants to try the ultra don't, it's just not worth it. I don't care if you're watching your calories, uh, saving two calories from a Bud Light or a White Claw to get the Ultra one is just not worth it. They're disgusting. I have a 24, 24 pack sitting outside my house in my backyard. Um, it's funny, I'm just though, letting the weather take it. It's kind of funny how we're living in the seltzer revolution. Oh, yeah. It seems like Unreal. every everything has its own seltzer now. Like you're going to see fucking target and walmart come out with their own brand of seltzers here at some point i wouldn't be surprised um me and my cousin got out of the merchandising gang which is uh merchandising is you know it sounds just like it is you merchandise the grocery stores and shit like that with the beer products and we got out right before seltzer blew the fuck up across north america and i'm so happy for it because i would literally kill myself at 30 years old, if I was building um, like a 200 can, 200 case display of White Claw or something as non-moving as the Michelob Ultra ones or the Corona ones or the Topo Papo or the fuck they're called ones, they're terrible. They're all horrible <laughs> except for Bud Light. White Claws a a three at best. I don't mind the White Claws to be honest. I think the White Claw Mango is the worst thing I've ever tasted, but. You know, I I personally just stick to the beer, but I guess I don't know. Like you said, like we were talking the seltzer revolution taking over the world. Crazy. But moving moving on to some hockey related items, uh, we had a couple games. The Habs have been playing really good last week. Actually, had some very inspired hockey. Um, broke a franchise record, although as the season would go, not, not for the right reasons. Uh, first time in franchise history, Montreal has had 50 shots against back, back to back. Sam Montembeau made multiple 46 plus save games and, you know, really just played out, played out of his mind, got injured. So now we're on our fourth string goalie. Unfortunate because it was two games back to back where he played, unreal yeah 50 shots back-to-back nights and he played amazingly and then primo against the abs was simply lights out like it mm-hmm. was a shame habs couldn't win that game for him but he really shut the door and played well um i thought the Habs as a as a team played very well it was a very inspiring game a good game to watch and as david savard heads to the penalty box for another boneheaded penalty um yeah i get to kind of look back at that and think oh you know that was a good game that was fun to watch sorry there i'm watching the wild play as we do this podcast but no i thought the Habs played really well um i'm loving the kind of play of suzuki lately who's been phenomenal and seeing primo succeed is definitely a good sign but once that game went to three on three you knew you knew it was over Mm -hmm. (laughs) this montreal team is not ever gonna be 
it doesn't seem like anyone at three on three anymore. And it's really, a, it makes sense because of the personnel Montreal has, but the, the three on three style they play is atrocious. Like it, it should be banned from hockey. And that's just, it's, <laughs> it's horrible. It defeats the entire purpose of three on three. Um. Well, you know, we don't really want to set ourselves moving in like a positive direction. But that being said, um, you know, two very difficult teams to play uh, forced an OT. I mean, a point, one points, one point's cool. You know what I'm saying? But like for, for a team that's just got a new GM um, guy saying kind of the right things, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's uplifting some spirits there. Maybe we're finally just kind of finding our rhythm with this team. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, as, as much as I want, you know, like uh, we, we really can't afford not to get a, a top five pick this year after the fucking year we've had. But it's been nice to see this team try to get, get it together. Um, and I've been happy with the play. Um, but at the same time, I still want the, the uh, top five. Uh, Michael Pozzetta, another uh, – I know oh, we kind of skimmed over it. We need to Golden talk Knights, about Golden uh, Knights game, Michael Pozzetta, first halves to, first half to score. Uh, I think, again, back-to-back games. This kid is unfucking real right now. And we need to talk about Michael Pozzetta, but before we get there, yes, obviously – we still want to get that hopefully first overall pick this season. And, but you know, you might've heard me go, Oh, oh my God, did Caden Primo just make the fucking save of the year against the Minnesota wild. And really, Oh my God. Kirill Kaprizov has to be crying after that one. <laughs> just, that was a, that was a price esque glove save. Nice. Um, listen, I think before we move on to Pizzetta, it's come out that Carey Price is probably, let's be honest, probably won't play. No. Uh, yeah, they said that he's, he's, he's his recovery has been set back, back to the beginning of it again. Um, it's kind of to be expected at this point. When you hear something like that, that's that's it for the season. You know, why, why rush to get healthy? Why not just do the right thing, take it slow, and, you know, come back strong next season? Definitely. And I I agree with most of what you said, except for the coming back strong next season. Listen, I really think that you think it's time. If Caden Primo continues to play the way he's playing right now with the Habs, you know, it's only been two. This is his second game, Mm -hmm. but Montembeau, look, he's still a young goalie as well. Only 24. Maybe you go in there if he can continue to play inspired. I don't know if he can, but Primo especially. He's, people forget, I think, because with Montreal, goalie prospects seem to have this insurmountable wall in front of them that they just can't climb, named Carey Price. I was about to say, yes. <laughs> that wall is crumbling, and Primo has been – looking over the top for a while and it seems to me he's primed and ready in the next year or so to really kind of take that job because he is one of the best goalie prospects in the league he's not spencer knight he's not any of those guys but we've talked about him for a very long time um one the is it them what's it called the mike richter for best goalie in the ncaa I can't remember what the I'm not sure, called. but I will look it up as we continue this. Yeah, one best goal in the NCAA was one of the best goalies in this NCAA for a very long time. Has been phenomenal in some games with the Habs, has been great in the AHL. He looks poised and he looks ready. And I really hope he can continue to play well here and, you know, maybe not steal a bunch of games for us because we still want those picks, but if he can keep the Habs in games and continue to make phenomenal saves and great plays the way he's been doing, that will be a, not only will we have the first overall pick to look forward to next year, 
some roster changes, the development of Suzuki and Caulfield and Romanov, but the development of a potential heir apparent to the throne that is the goaltending position in Montreal. Oh, well said. Um, it is the Mike Richter Award. Wow. Um, Bonus points for me knowing that. Holy. There you go, bud. Um, no, I think you're right. I actually talked to my cousin about this in the car today because um, he was just, you know, picking my brain about um, he's getting excited for um, – come on, why am I fucking blanking on it? For the dra- uh, the trade Draft. deadline. The trade, the trade deadline. deadline. Um, and just shit like that. And he was talking about uh, – he he's a big Sharks fan, so he's worried about where Tomas Hurdle is going to go if he gets moved. I think he is going to get moved. Uh, I don't want to stray too far from the halves. Anyway, we we got to the Chicago, um, and the media. I saw it on Twitter. Meet someone in the Chicago media said that they were willing to move everyone except for Taves, Kane, and Seth Jones. Which is, uh, of course, they they would overlook to bring it, just like every other rising star that wasn't Kane or Taves. Uh, you know, past them. Um, but he was bringing up Mark Andre Fleury and uh, how it's crazy that he doesn't see them, you know, wanting to keep him. He's still a considerably good goalie. He's just not really being helped by his team a lot right now. Um, and just the thought of something like that. And, um, you know, he I guess he was just picking my brain on my thoughts about about that. And I was like, fuck, if, if we didn't have someone like Primo in the pipe, um, and Jake Allen hopefully getting healthy soon uh, and Montembeau getting healthy soon. I was like, fuck, um, maybe a year contract would be something cool to see Marc-Andre Fleury uh, in a Habs uniform. But um, he was asking me about Primo, and I told him that I felt like if he just got a couple of solid reps back-to-back and uh, got some consistency, which is hopefully we're going to see more of now uh, with the – I mean, it's unfortunate. I don't want to say that. Thank, thankfully, Montembeau's hurt, but Primo's going to get a lot more action and hopefully get a lot more comfortable uh, in net. Like you said, we played a Colorado team that was, I mean, has been monstrous this year. Um, played a, a very great game, and and now he's playing against the Wild. Like uh, he's playing two of the best teams right now. Um, well, yeah, and if I can add to that. Um... I think as fans, we've gotten, we were very used to Montreal always being in games because of mm-hmm. goaltending. And the last couple of seasons, I think Montreal, except for the playoffs where price is still dominant, we've kind of lost that. Mm-hmm. And something Montreal has always has done relatively well the last few years is had decent, not elite, but decent defense. When you have Shea Weber and Petrie playing the way he was and Joel Edmondson, and Sherratt a couple years ago when he was still playing well. Then you had Markov and Subo. They've had a decent defense. Not great. Not elite. I would say middle of the pack, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this season, look, I'm. there's two minutes left in the first. Minnesota has 20 shots again. Jeez. Primo stopped all but two of them. It looks like they're, they're on pace for another 50-shot game. And that'll be three of their last four and they had four i think the avs had 45 against them mm-hmm. last game if look if primo loses and puts you know gets absolutely battered that's horrible for his development he's i think he's still gonna lose all these games he plays but right now watching this team the last few games i'm watching them right now as i speak there's just a confidence and it's hard mm-hmm. to explain, but I think every Habs fan knows what I'm talking about. You're kind of – it's it's not a blowout. He, he's not let it become a blowout. And he's calm, and he's not flustered, and he's ready. And that's going to make a big difference, I think, for his development, I think for the development of the young players for the rest of the season. And if he is a goalie that can go in there – and, you know, we might lose every game for the rest of the season, but if we're not panicking, if we're not getting hammered, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then that's going to be great for the development of the Montreal Canadiens, young players, and for Primo. And I think going into next season, 
we I think it's very likely we see Caden Primo here and here to stay. No, I like that. Um, I don't the only thing I'm concerned with with um because he's most likely gonna lose these games. It's it's just the team around him that is still trying to get their pieces together, but he really needs to focus on his game and not the win-loss ratio. I think it's the reps for him, the confidence that he exudes as of late of just trying to keep the game close um, and with, you know, like just just play his game. I think that's all that really matters right now, not the score. Um, I just think the more reps we can give him, granted, yeah, I want him to get some wins on this, but I want him to have consistency. It's going to gain his confidence. But he's with a team that's been piss poor as of late. And just the way he's playing, it seems like that does not bother him. Um, he's just ready. You know, like there's just this uh, this confidence that he's exuding just to get a chance to play. And two games back to back, he's still got it. You know, like that, that confidence isn't wavered. It wasn't just a one night, uh, you know, great start type of night uh i just hope that he can keep bringing this and it'll do nothing but positive for his you know hopeful next season where he gets a lot more reps um but this is this is a great time for him to really get a crash course into the nhl and uh you know unfortunate things happen Mm -hmm. for him to get where he is right now to be excuse me our our 1a you know uh but I think this is the best form, and I really, uh, regardless of of the scores or the win loss ratio, um, I just hope that his reps get the best of him to uh, gain that experience he needs for next season. No, definitely no. Moving on to the man, the myth himself, fucking Michael Pozzetta. So I he had at one point it was three goals in his last four. I think it's three in his last five going into this game now. Um, I love Michael Pozzetta. I think this is well known. I think people who have been following uh, the chronicles of my Pozzetta love on Twitter have seen. I I I'm going nuts and I'm going all in. So the Pozzetta jersey is in fact inbound. Yeah, <laughs> I will hopefully get um get that soon and get a picture of that. I'm trying to get it was difficult trying to find an option that wasn't gonna blow my bank account out because I just didn't want to spend 250 bucks on a Michael fucking Pizzetta jersey, but I had to. He kept scoring. And someone commented, you know, I've been enjoying this saga, so I had to. The Pizzetta jersey <laughs> is inbound, and I will get it here for the show because I am all in on the fucking Habs Cowboy. And for those of you who don't know what that reference is to, he comes into every game, pregame, uh, his suit. He's always got a big old cowboy hat on, so I love him. I really hope Montreal keeps him for next season. I think he's a great player who, you know, I don't think having a player just because they can punch people is the best thought. It's, it's not relevant to the NHL anymore. And Pizzetta doesn't really punch people, but he's tough. He plays hard and he goes to the front of the net and he gives it his all, gives it his all. And he knows what it means to be a Montreal Canadian. We've talked about this. So the Michael Pizzetta love is just getting stronger and stronger as all these games progress. I know that. I know that everybody knows that uh, Jack Eichel looks like Marv from Home Alone, but I feel like every time I watch a highlight and they show this dude's face, I don't think he looks like Marv, but he looks like he could definitely be Marv's son. Um, and I know that <laughs> that's just the most off-the-wall thing, but I've watched this highlight like five times um, before we started this. Um He's just been unfucking real, dude. Like, and I know that Paul Byron is a way better player than he is. But if you remember last season when we talked about we were afraid of guys that were really good guys that, but we just had a better version of them and they kept 
falling down to like the fourth line and possible scratched or possibly getting moved because we just have better pieces. I feel like Michael Pozzetta is that guy from last year. Just fortunately for him, the team has just been in such a rut that he's done nothing but turn into the best player on this team. And I'm fucking all here for it. You said that he, he, he doesn't really punch. Um, I don't think that's the point. I think it's the fact that no matter what, if he's on the ice and something goes wrong, if he doesn't like it, he's going to fucking stick up for him. And I think that is the reason why he's the best example of like the, like what it means to wear the, you know, the C, um, this e? kid, you huh? mean the the ch the ch not the fucking oh. calm down <laughs> calm down i mean he is he is the jack campbell of oh. <laughs> <laughs> you had me he is the left wing jack campbell of the montreal canadians uh no i don't sorry to give context we're talking <clears throat> one of our topics of discussion today is gonna be candidates for the the captaincy oh no so, <laughs> when you said no, the man. c no, i was man. like there's no the way CH, i'm sorry yeah i'd get why not i mean if it if it was based on the past month of play uh i think he's well deserved <laughs> oh my lord if, if we did it one month at a time uh i think oh, he'd be lord. well deserving of it um well then moving on to our discussion <laughs> of the captaincy um, I have a couple guys who I think are worthy. Uh, we've discussed a, long, a lot of that. Nick Suzuki is the future captain of this team. I think that goes without a shadow of a doubt. But with the way he's playing, I kinda, you kind of wonder if that's a little bit too much for him right now. He kind of needs to focus on himself, and he doesn't need that added responsibility. So it's kind of a weird, a weird spot because you're caught in limbo. And Ken Hughes said there will be a captain. Do you still go with Suzuki or do you go with someone else? See, what's your I thoughts? I don't like that he's saying this is one of the few things I haven't liked is that he's saying that there will be a captain. I think that that's unwise. There's not really one person that. I think has proved themselves to be the captain. I don't see what's in the locker room. I don't see the team leader. Um, you know, Brendan Gallagher's out. I think of the leaders in the room. I think that he's probably one of like, you know, like the heart and soul type of guy. He's got no problem telling you what's going on. He's got no problem trying to amp you up. Um, I like the candidate for Nick Suzuki being the captain. Um, but at the same time, I think that his game has kind of faltered this year. I can blame that on Ducharme. I can blame that on his his mental. Uh, I can blame it on the team around him. But why why would you add something to mess with his psyche even more? Um, we saw that with Jeff Petrie, you know, taking on just the lead role on defense, you know, really captaining you know, the, the blue style line. of play, the, the blue line, all of that, even the power play. And it's too much for him. I don't want to take Suzuki who's had two phenomenal years. Uh, well, a bubble appearance and then an entire year. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to risk that. I don't want to jeopardize that. Look at, Oh my God. Look at our last forward. That was a captain. Jesus Christ. Um, he fucking sucked Patch that ready. I'm like Petrangelo. Petrangelo. Why am I saying Petrangelo? I thought he was. I thought he was good, but I mean at the same time, like he was phenomenal the year before. And granted, the year he was a captain, his first year, nothing but injuries. It was kind of a a wash of a season. I mean, Patrick still got his points and stuff like that, but I felt like it fucked with his game a lot more than it elevated it. Um. I think Nick Suzuki, I, I think we got to stray away from giving these young guys the fucking C way too early. Um, I don't know. I even think that Connor McDavid, granted, he's fucking McJesus, but I think he could have did with some time away from it. I think Jack Eichel could have did some time away from it. I think what they're doing with Austin Matthews is pretty good, despite I don't really give a fuck about his team, but it's like, why, why add that to them now? Like, let them 
get a couple years under the belt and then give them that opportunity. So who do you then who do you think should you don't think anyone should be the captain? I wouldn't pick a captain after after a season like this. I like the year right before Patriotty got it when we decided they have four alternates. I thought it was brilliant. Um, I don't think there's a, a – I like Shea Weber's captaincy. Um, I don't think there's there's a leader that deserves it on defense right now. Um, why does it – sir, why does it have to be someone on defense? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not only limiting it to the defense. I'm just saying, like, after Shea Weber, uh, I wouldn't put anyone on the defense – with the captaincy, I don't okay. think anyone has it yet. Um, I I would give it to a veteran, and not a veteran of this team. I'd I'd go maybe Gallagher, um, maybe Toffoli if he doesn't get fucking dealt. If we if we have to stick to a, if we're actually having a fucking captain, I would go Gallagher as my first fucking choice. Um, and then I'm thinking someone like Toffoli that can hold it for a little bit. Uh, I would. I mean, what's he? He signed to another four years here, if I'm not mistaken, four or five. Another, another three years. So he signed um, a four year. I thought he signed. I, I'm sorry. I gotta. I gotta be honest. I have to full heartedly disagree with that. I think. I don't care. Go ahead. I think if Montreal had a captain this year, you wouldn't see the disastrous outcome to the season that they've had. I think the issue is that, like you said, there's no leaders in the room. And I think part of that is, yes, you need quiet leaders. You need guys to step up. But I think an issue with, you kind of left a power vacuum. And the way Montreal, we haven't spoken about it a lot. The way they said, no, Weber's still our captain. But we find out later that while they were saying that, guys knew he was done. Mm -hmm. So, that whole situation was dealt with horribly, but I think you can't losing, I think is tricky in a rebuilding process because you don't want to develop a losing culture, like a team you mentioned, the Buffalo Sabres. But I think if you're losing and you know, you guys stink, but you don't have a captain to get you through that, to lead the way and, you, I just think that – how do I put this? I think if Montreal – Montreal is not going to be good next year either. Let's be – let's call a spade a spade. Let's tell it how it is. But they need someone to lead them into the light. And I don't think they will – I think they'll be set back if they don't have anyone. I think naming a captain this year, I agree, is probably probably a bad idea. And I think Ken Hughes said, you know, it'll be a captain next year. So we'll get, we'll have to see who's still on the team. Mm-hmm. But I do think next season, you're probably going to have, hopefully we have a number one overall pick, Shane, right? But you're probably going to have some young guys. You're going to have a lot of young guys on the team because guys are going to get dealt. Ben Sherratt's going to get dealt. I don't see Savard staying. I think his contract will be tough to get rid of. I think he's gone. We'll see about Petrie. Tafoli, Gallagher, Anderson, Druen, not all of them are going to be here. You're going to need someone, even if he's just a placeholder. I think you need someone to kind of say, guys, it's fine. We, I've been here. This is how you're in the NHL. This is how you are. This is how you be an NHL player. Right? And that's why I was saying – put someone that's a little older like a veteran of the league not necessarily a strong veteran um i just the reason why i said to fully was like his contract uh is even less than what i thought it was but someone that's going to be here uh hopefully for another year at least but like someone who's been around the league has won um and someone that you you'll probably end up seeing get moved you know, and when he gets moved, you give it to a younger guy, you know, or or if that young guy like a Nick Suzuki or a fuck uh, who I would hope uh, an Alexander Romanov, um, someone who's, who's had a little bit of time to, you know, play the game and not just be thrusted into a role. Um, that's how I would 
prefer it to be done. Like you said, a placeholder. I think that's the perfect word for it. Someone who can bear the load for now. But, you know, you're talking about if we had a captain this year, I mean, granted, it's doing good for them now. But look at look at Logan Couture the year he got it after they dealt well, after they they wouldn't give a contract to uh, Pavelski and he went to Dallas like they were atrocious. And Logan Couture's game fumbled because the media picked on him and, and prodded at him. And he's a quiet leader. You know, uh, I don't see him as being like a very vocal guy. I mean, he's. I've seen some stuff. He's, he's really not that it's same thing with, with Joe Pavelski. He wasn't, he had Joe Thornton to be the loud one. You know, it's kind of like if you gave the, the quiet guy it now, uh, I mean, fuck, we saw it. Shea Weber. Yeah. He can be like a fucking day. He'd be very angry. He could be very mean. He could, he could tell you how it is, but then you got Brendan Gallagher. Who's the fucking, like, he don't give a flying fuck. You know, if you think he's a bully or whatever, he's going to tell you if his game fucking sucks. I think that Shea Weber kind of did things a little bit more quietly. I think he's more of a middle, a middle ground. He probably played a little bit more like that. But I, I thought of Logan Couture when you were talking about um, how how tough it was for us to lose the captain and how it it you know fump I guess deteriorated our game this season by not having someone to to lean on that and too many heads maybe in the room not either saying too much or not saying enough because they don't feel like that's their role. Um, I don't know. No, I think it's I th- a double-edged sword. You know, it's, it's fucked either way when you have a season like this. I see, I see what you're saying. And I think you do have a good point. I think it goes without saying though, that I wouldn't <clears throat> want my team to ever replicate what San Jose did with the captaincy. They stripped Patrick Marlowe. And then they stripped Joe Thornton and then they gave it to Joe Pavelski and then they refused to sign him. And that is, to, that yeah. is one of the worst showings of respect and understanding of the captain's position. I think I've ever seen in professional sports, mm-hmm. but I think I do. I do think that going into next season, it would be beneficial if Montreal did have a captain. Um, Moving I think I think on. at the end before we move on, I think at the end of it, it's just I don't think it's time for Nick Suzuki. Um, as some people are speculating on Twitter, I don't think it's time for a young guy. I think it's time to just let uh, you know an older guy take it, let him be the placeholder for now, one with a strong voice. Um, and you know, and you know his time as that captain probably won't be that long. You know, he's kind of there to groom in a sense, you know, to inspire the next leader. And that, that I can certainly agree with. Like, yeah. a, like a Gordon to Kent Hughes, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think for our final topic today, what did you want to discuss? I have something, but it's not, it can wait. So if you want to discuss something else. Um, I'm kind of up in the air. I mean, the Minnesota Wild game, Canadians still two one. Um, I really, I really don't have anything. Uh, All right. Well, for our final discussion, I think it's important we talk about uh, trade rumors because, as we mm. said, um, look, a lot of guys aren't going to be on this team next year, and we finally have some solid Kent Hughes. Uh, rumors already circulating with some, you know, a lot of speculation has been done about Ben Chirot, but we finally have some neat, some, some names, some teams that are in on it. St. Louis, Calgary, um, for some reason, the Ottawa Senators, Pierre Dorian and uh, Pierre Maguire are both in Minnesota watching this Montreal games, uh, mm. Canadians game tonight. I, why are the, are the Ottawa Senators? In on Ben Sherrod, I have no fucking clue. But if we could somehow snag Pierre Dorian's first round pick for Ben Sherrod, that would be phenomenal. Um, other teams that were involved, um, I said the Leafs already, a bunch of West Coast teams, uh, Edmonton, but apparently Ken Holland doesn't want to really pay anything. Now, we've heard all this before, and Frank Cervelli was reporting on that, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman also reporting the same thing. But Frank Cervelli also talked about on his podcast, Daily Face Off, 
that a lot of teams across the, across the league are interested in Arturi Lekkinen. They view him as phenomenal at every aspect of the game except for finishing, which I think is a perfect depiction of Arturi Lekkinen. I think it shows a league that is starting to believe more in analytics. Mm-hmm. But he said he could name like sitting live doing that take that podcast, he could name at least three teams that were begging the Montreal Canadiens to trade them Arturi Lekkinen. So I guess I wanted to just get your take on mo- mainly Lekkinen because we've heard about Sherratt for a while and, you know, kind of see where, where your thoughts lie with that. Um, I remember you sent it to me and I said, Lecky for real, that's crazy. Um, because now you're right. Um, across the board, he does everything pretty much to the T of what he needs to get done. He just can't finish. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually kind of excited for that. Um, he's a guy that I've grown to really love, but at the same time, I guess I'd rather see him go than. Tyler Toffoli right now. And if we can move an Arturi Lekkinen to keep someone like Tyler Toffoli, who's got a really nice contract and we've seen it last year, we've seen it in basically his entire career, uh, produce great numbers. Um, I think, I think that's more beneficial to us um, that someone would want what some, what I perceived as a lower, a lower um, movable player that they would kind of want pretty high dollar, if not top dollar for um, well, that really excites me. Yeah. Um, I guess what Cervelli and I think Friedman also said was that Arturi Lekkinen is viewed by a lot of GMs as this year's Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman was traded, do you guys remember, to um, the Lightning from New Jersey in exchange for a first-round pick and Nolan Foote, who is a very good Mm -hmm. prospect. I think he was drafted. He was in the first round 20. He was in the first round? I want to say so. That's that's Adam Foote's son. Number number 27, he was drafted. Um, Yeah, that's... Listen, I think Lekkinen's a difficult, difficult guy to give up because he's still a restricted free agent. Um, in one year, he'll be at UFA if he doesn't sign a long-term deal. But like you said, he does everything right. He just doesn't score. But if you can get, and I think Lekkinen could easily be part of the solution in Montreal. I think he's a guy you could not build around, but build with. But if you can get a first-round pick and a first-round prospect, for Arturi Lekkinen, you have to. Mm-hmm. You simply have to, especially in this draft where the consensus that I've heard is that the top-end talent isn't as ridiculous as previous years, but there is more of it in this draft. It is mm-hmm. a deep draft. However, I am inclined to disagree a little bit. I know a lot of people have been low on Shane Ray, but did you see that goal he scored? The other night. Unfortunately, I didn't. You, after this show, Corey, you got to look it up. For those of you who haven't it seen right it, now. I'm telling you, you got to see this. He, I've never seen this goal before in my life. I watched it 25 times at least. Goes behind the puck, bounces behind the boards, behind the net. So he's behind the net, and he shoots it between his legs off the back of the goalie and into the net. It was one of the most ridiculous displays of skill I've oh, ever seen. Sure. And Shane Wright's been tearing it up. His last 10 games, he has like 12, 15 points. He's been getting hotter. And anyway, I'm a little off topic here. But I think Lekkinen is a guy, I think even when we were talking, I said I'd be sad to see him go. But if you can get a first-round pick and a solid B-plus prospect for him, even just the first round pick, you have to take that. It's not something Montreal can afford to turn down at this point. 
I'm sorry. I'm I'm watching the slow mo of this. Jesus. Oh um, yeah, it's ridiculous. I now see. Does he is he thinking? I'm gonna just put it between my legs to put it back in front of the crease. No, I think. Or that's, am I that's just calculated? I'm gonna bust this off this dude's fucking leg and put it in. Um, if so, I I don't I don't want to say I feel bad for him, but Jesus Christ, uh, the kid from Anaheim's got a fucking a partner, you know. He's got he's got a very competitive uh shell caliber goal scorer coming in. Um about Trevor Zegers. Yeah. <laughs> kid from Anaheim. I'm sorry. I, I thought Jamie drives in. I'm like, it's not him. It's not him. That's the D man. Um I'm sorry. I, I guess my mind's just a little fucked up today. Maybe it's too many uh seltzers. I doubt it. That's an unreal fucking goal. I'm Jesus, I'm, I'm still stuck on it. But uh, I like Lekkanen. I like him a lot. I like how you said that, that you know, he could be a factor in, in making this team better. He could be a solution. I just don't see him as a big-time player for us. I, he would be the solution as a fucking glue guy. And with my thoughts on that, I could be wrong. You know, people, it's it's everyone's got their own opinion. I feel like if that's my opinion on it, then if we had the opportunity to get a high draft pick and, you know, a, a player of his caliber or a little better, then I'm okay with parting ways with him. And no, exactly. That's, that is, that is what I look for in NHL. You know, when I play the game, that's what I would expect of Ken Hughes and, and Jeff Gordon to look for, you know, is okay. We're bringing in someone who's, you know, even if we brought in, you know, just a fucking ditto from Pokemon carbon copy of Lekkanen, but it came with, you know, uh, a two, a second or third round pick. I think you got to take that. I see. I think that's I think you're stupid. I, I think that's where I would almost draw the line because I don't think there's another player like Lekkanen in the league. And I think if I can elaborate on that, it's because Lekkanen – still has the best five-on-five Corsi numbers on the Montreal Canadiens, despite being so horrible at finishing. Mm -hmm. Like, Lekkanen's five-on-five offense, measured analytically, is phenomenal. And he's one of the best play drivers in the NHL, despite his inability to score goals. Now, I think his value is definitely bumped up by his cap hit. And by the fact that teams are really caps constrained this year, but it's also because he can play anywhere. Lekkanen realistically can play on your first or your fourth line. And for the most part, he's not going to hurt you because he's so strong defensively and he does drive the play. He can't finish, but if you don't expect him to, and you just accept him for who he is, he can play anywhere and he can do anything. He can play the penalty kill. He can – we've never seen him on the power play, but I bet you he wouldn't hurt it. <laughs> he's just – now, I'm not suggesting he's going to go somewhere. He's a third-line guy, third- to second-line guy. But I really do think, like, he's very valuable because he is a unicorn. I think it's so unfortunate that if he would have came into this league, um, despite how well he was, you know, coming into it, everyone's thoughts on him. If we didn't think he was going to be a goal scorer, I think everyone's ideas on him or ideals on him would be that he's an amazing player. But it's the fact that he was supposed to come into this league and be like the fucking, you know, the next well, big he, goal scorer because he was. He was. In yeah. his area, you know, in his, in, mm-hmm. in it, you know, in, you know, fuck, I don't, I don't know the name of that league, but. I just think I just think that if we just like, if he came in just as as a as a strong Finnish player, he would be beloved. You know, I, I mean, I think he's beloved by this team, but I just mean as as far as his gameplay. Um, and it's I think it's just unfortunate that it wasn't able to. I mean, maybe it's just with this team. You know, maybe he's just had a a bad draw. I mean, he's had defensive coaches, and now this this coach that just. I don't know, pull shit out of his ass and just tries it, you know. Doesn't have much time left. He's just trying whatever the fuck he wants at this point. Um, see what sticks, you know. 
And I just think it's unfortunate. Maybe maybe go to a more offensive-minded team. He fucking turns it around, lights out. Yeah, no, I definitely think – I think Lekin would be a great pickup for a team that's hoping to make a run for the Stanley Cup. Um, and on that note, as the Habs just primo finally breaks and the oh, Habs' Jesus. defensive coverage allows two tapping goals to make it 4-1, four, four um, I think <laughs> – I think we'll end it there unless you have anything else to add. Uh, I have a ad read by DraftKings oh. real quick. Uh, four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a, not a new customer. You can experience the conference championship with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Give 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. A $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, I thought Josh Allen and the Bills deserved better. Uh, that's my last take. On that. <laughs> wow, what a game. I think that was the best football game I've ever watched in my life. I think it is. I think it was it was unfucking real. And what a way for it to end, eh? The most Bills fashion. Yeah. Fucked. But yeah, why don't you take us out? Or I'll just keep talking about that fucking game. I've been talking about it all day. All right. Well, thank you guys once again for listening. Thank you for being patient. As I said, I take responsibility for that. School is definitely a challenge, but I think we've developed kind of a a schedule that's going to get us back on track here. So we appreciate your patience. And once again, thank you for stopping by. It's been outstanding. We'll see you all. Michael Pizzetta deserves an A. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.